1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Pod. I keep calling them all very special, awesome, Ward, uh, because this is the first one we've done after Ohio State has played a game in 2020, and here, here it is. As we're recording this, it's October the 26th. It'll be the 27th when this thing drops. Finally, Ohio State has a game in the bucket thank
0: God for that. <clears throat> you know, I didn't know if it was ever going to happen. And uh, even last week, you know, you still had to get through all the testing protocols and hope that they could play and um, they made it. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful that we got to cover it. I'm, I'm very happy for the players and coaches and their families who fought and wanted that opportunity to do what they love. And, you know, there's still a long way to go. Um, as Wisconsin can surely attest right now, it's all very precarious. But um, yeah. Ohio state did everything right to get to that point. Um, you know, had basically a full strength starting lineup to go out there for the opener and they got through it and we get to break down a game, which is, uh, one of the, one of our favorite things to do.
1: Yeah. You know, before we do that and really projecting more forward to, uh, Penn, the Penn state game, uh, I've got a very special guest this week, a guy who <clears throat> stepped up and played well in a couple of Penn state games, uh, Johnny Lightning Dixon, as I nicknamed him, his last couple of years after he finally felt uh, confidence in his knees, which had given him chronic uh, pain for much of his life. Uh, he's uh, stepped through that uh, threshold, that barrier, and became you know one of the more reliable receivers in, in Ohio State football history. And now he's, he's out there in uh, Arizona uh, still fighting for maybe a shot at, at uh, some fame and glory in the National Football League. Uh, while uh, two of his other, uh, as I called them, the three graduados, the three amigos before that, before they graduated from Ohio State and played their last years there, uh, uh, Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin, all three of those guys just, you know, just shows you the depth uh, of this Ohio State football team from a roster standpoint and also a depth of the receiver core, which we're going to get into in depth after we get back from this conversation with Johnny Lightning and Dixon. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined on the Tim May podcast by one of my favorite players of all time. I know I almost say that every time I have a player on, but it's really the case in this situation. <laughs> Johnny Lightning Dixon. Johnny, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, my man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. You're coming coming to us live and direct from Tippy, Arizona, where you're uh, – you're uh, still uh, vying for a an NFL career of some sort. And uh, we'll wish you luck. And we're going to get into that in a little while. But the main reason I had you on this week is I could have had you on like four or five weeks because you know how much I – you and I got along and how much I liked you when you were coming along. You're just one of those guys, first time I, you meet somebody, kind of go, hey, I like that dude. You know, even though you had your trials and tribulations at Ohio State, you kept fighting through them, et cetera, and became, a, in my opinion, a star finally. And, uh, and now you're still uh, – Applying that trade in the NFL, thank goodness for that. But uh, yeah, you know, definitely. the reason I got you on is this: this is Penn State week for Ohio State. Yeah, you, you had a few, you had a few big moments against Penn State. I mean, but what is it about Ohio State, Penn State, that generates has generated such great games of late? You know,
2: I don't, I don't really know what, what's been going into that. You know, I, I, I think the one big thing is, you know, um, Ohio State has always been the big dogs of the Big Ten, so. You know, when people come to play us, you know, they play extra tough. You know, they they look the best they they have all year. So, I think that plays a part into it. Everybody just wants to be us. And, you know, I don't blame them. You know, we got that target on our shoulders. And, you know, we always ready for whatever. So,
1: how good – where would you put Penn State in the realm of programs uh, that you went against, so to speak, John? I mean – they, you know, right now, if you were if you were analyzing them, I think most analysts would say they have maybe the second best accumulation of talent from a recruiting standpoint in the Big Ten. Although it looks like they trail Ohio State by quite a bit in that regard. But would you agree with that assessment? Do they when they when you usually took the field against them? Were you going against some pretty great athletes?
2: Oh yeah, every time um, they do their their part in recruiting, you know they get the real good players, and you know it's about them. when you go out there. Like I said, the guys they come out and they play the best they have every year. I know they, they lost what last week to what, Indiana, yeah,
1: Indiana. Like,
2: when you go play Ohio state, it, they, I, everybody see it as different, you know, I mean, that just comes with the territory of being who we are. But, um, you know, those guys get their fair share of recruits, you know, it's hard to, hard to compete with Ohio state with the recruiting battle, but you know, um, yeah. those guys always have a lot of talent over there as well.
1: Hey, the, uh, the big touchdowns uh, you had. What was that? What year was that? Uh, the big come from behind win. I'm trying to remember. 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah. What what was what was going through your mind in both of those games? From the standpoint of you guys had to get had to get the job done. You're behind, et cetera. But I would think, like you and I talked about before many times, that's good for for receivers because that means you're going to be throwing the ball, right? Absolutely. But what would what was it like to make plays in in those kinds of games, Johnny? It was
2: very special. Um, I know on the fade, um, we we ran that play like we practiced that play a lot, and and if they went no deep, we went black, 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 and I knew that I was the option on that one. Um, that's how it was just on that play. And to think about it, we never probably ever threw that fade. <laughs> yeah. So. In, in that situation, I knew it was coming to me, and I knew that we needed to play, and, you know, I had to make it, you know. So, uh, nothing really to it. It just right place, right time, because Terry could have easily been in that spot, and, you know, it was just – it happened to be me, so I just knew I had to make a play for the team.
1: Uh, when you come off the line of scrimmage, you know the ball is coming to you. You know the game's pretty much on the line at the, at that moment what what are the thoughts do you do you have any of those thoughts at all cuz people who've never played always wonder if you're feeling the pressure like they are sitting in the stands or sitting at home you know uh sweating out what's going what's about to happen but what 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 goes through a, an athlete's mind in a situation like that
2: you know what's crazy is i get i feel way more pressure now that i'm watching them play than when i actually played so um in that moment i it really wasn't no pressure because i knew i prepared for the moment and um you know, it was just mine for the taking, and, and like I said, i really never felt really nervous playing in a game, but watching—like I went to the Fiesta Bowl last year, and my heart is just pounding. So, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy as a fan. The perspective is a little different, you know. I think it's is more intense actually.
1: Was your heart pounding because you in your in your in your sense your feel? Those were some of your little brothers running around out there. I mean, you know what I mean? What, what, what brings that – it's more than just a school pride, I would think. Yeah. Um, you know that when you put something into, like,
2: the receiver room, like, you know, some of the guys that I played with, Terry Paris, and, you know, the list goes on. You know, you have a sense of pride for that, and – Every week, you know, before we were playing, everybody was talking about how every team had the best receiving core and things like this. And, know, we kind of was quiet about it. But I, I knew what we had in our room. And I know with, with Hardline, you know, disguise the, the limit. You know, those guys are going to be, you know, ready for the moment. And, you know, they showed it. And um, I, I know it's just going to get better from here.
1: Yeah, I was going to say before we jump into the current set of uh, receivers, because I know you got a little bit of a, an opinion about these guys. Uh, are you – right. I know, you, I know you like Terry like a brother, you know, just like you like Paris like a brother, I'm sure. But to see what Terry has done, is, are you a little bit surprised? I mean, uh, because he was a guy, you know, who was almost an afterthought, you know, maybe going into his junior year at high State, maybe even his last year, but just has just risen. Just, I don't know how, not surprised maybe the right, right word, but what has just come right for him, in your opinion? What, what has bloomed?
2: I'm not surprised at all. I think what's booming is is now he's the man. You know, at Ohio State, you got six guys. You got me and him playing the same position most of, you know, our what fourth year. So it's like he yeah. still had, what, eight touchdowns that year, then came back fifth year, had ten touchdowns. And just imagine if he played the one spot by himself season. So, you know, I'm not surprised at all. And, you know, I think Paris is going to get up to a really good year as well before he got injured. But um, yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Everybody asks me that. Like, are you surprised? I'm like, no, I'm not. Because, you know, I practiced with the guy for five years. You know, I know what he brought to the table. And, you know, that he's a star now. He's the guy. I know he's going to kill it every week. You know, so I'm so happy for the yeah. guy.
1: Just throw me the damn ball, right?
2: <laughs> On the ball. He's going to make it happen, man. I promise you that.
1: Hey, who jumped out at you Saturday of the uh, young receivers at Ohio State? Obviously, Chris Olave is back, um, Garrett Wilson may end up with 90, 80 or 90 catches even in an abbreviated season this year. Uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba with the, one of the great catches in Ohio State history, back of yeah. the end zone, one, one, one toe tap in. But what, who jumped out at you the most is from your vantage point?
2: I would say Chris, but he jumped out from day one. Um, we knew he was going to be a, a star, like, as soon as he got in. and The kid was incredible. Um I have to say Garrett. I know he's, he had a, you know, pretty decent freshman year. But um, I think he's going to play a big role this year. Um, he's going to be another guy that they look to get the ball five-plus yeah. times a game. And, you know, I'm just excited to see what he, where he goes from here. You know, he, he has so much upside. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I know you keep up with things a little bit. Ohio State recruited these four receivers, all of whom were – you know, all of whom I think got on the field on Saturday. But uh, Julian Fleming had a catch. Uh, you know, Mookie Cooper's coming along. G. Scott, big-time player. Yeah. Uh, and I was telling people the one practice we got to watch, man, a couple of those guys look like grown men already. You know, it's, it's like a it's different kind crazy. of group. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, what does a play like that do for a player in his first game mm-hmm. on the college level, do you think, Johnny? I mean, you, what did you see just in that one play about him that tells you he could be a big-time player?
2: Uh, I see a lot of confidence in the guy. Um he took that big shot and you know he st- he went in there and still made a big play. And um just yeah. to be a freshman and you know, making crazy plays like that, oh the group's gonna be scary for a long time. And um I'm excited because they got Heartline and you know, he, he puts it together. You know, he's he's played on the big stage at the highest level and he played really well. Yeah. So all those kids are going to be crazy you know for,
1: yeah give people a little insight on yeah give people a little insight on what Brian Hartline brings to the table in your opinion that that makes it an attractive situation for people to play for him
2: he's just real I mean a guy like that doesn't have to talk much um he just shows you his resume you know when a guy played like that at a high level and he did it. Like the way he did it, you don't really have to talk that much um and all his stuff, you know it speaks for itself, as you can see the the, the group just con- continually um, progressing. And, yeah you know, I think Hartline's a big part of that.
1: Hey, give, give me something that uh, that Brian Hartline said to you, gave you a tip when you were at high state or or afterwards that still sticks with you that you had never thought of. You know what I mean? you me, think about it for a second. What is something he kind of brought to light for you, I guess? Uh, playing the role of receiver receiver or
2: just life in general
1: yeah either one man the one that sticks out you know i would
2: say um when i was fighting my battles if if i wanted to come back or not um you know i wasn't too sure and and hardline came and practiced with us that that bowl season and um he he just told me if i ever needed anything that he was there and and um i I didn't even know the guy like that (laughs) so it was crazy it's just like this this Buckeye brotherhood, you know, it just it, it, it goes so far and like for a guy to know me for a few days and just he let me know that if I needed anything that he had me. And, and then he was coaching us, helping us out. And then he became the coach. It just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of helped our relationship. And, um, you know, he's a great dude, man. And he's always I'm always going to appreciate him for what he did for me. You know, just that simple whatever you need, I got you. It, it just made our relationship from day one that strong, you know, and. Yeah. He's just real, you know, and I, I can appreciate it, you know, now that I'm I'm much older now. We kind of – we buck heads, you know, every now and then, but I think there's sure. just the competitiveness in, in both of us, you know. So, he's like a big brother to me. So, you know, like I said, I appreciate him for all that he did for us.
1: I think a true mentor appreciates butting heads sometimes as much as he does people just sitting there with their mouths yeah. shut, you know. Absolutely. and Because uh, there can be learning – both ways it's a two-way street so to speak and that's that's what impresses me about Brian you know he he doesn't call recruiting recruiting he calls recruiting he calls that that exercise getting to know people you know yeah and vice Absolutely. versa yeah Absolutely. because you're both going to sell out for each other in in one form or fashion and I think that's an interesting uh novel approach that he has
2: yeah you know, and a guy like that makes you just want to go play for him and you always have his back because he always yeah. have yours you know simple as that
1: Hey Johnny, you know I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say I shed tears for you, but I, I felt for you uh, uh, throughout the early part of your career at Ohio State until finally y'all got you, y'all got your knees put together, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> and, and we we're able to play through the threshold and stuff. And uh, I really thought that you know the bad thing was the way you played, you know, the last year and a half, two years compared to what you went through the first several years. I thought the first several years tainted what you became. If you follow my drift, meaning, oh, I think you became a big time player uh, with speed, uh, with hands, etc. Have you found yourself as you as you're you know trying to get that big break in the NFL? And you know you're with the Cardinals, you know, last year and stuff. and You're still out there in that area, but have you found that haunting you as, as you try to make that big, you know, make that big breakthrough? Um, meaning, people keep do they question you much about it?
2: No, I really don't. At first, when I signed with Houston, I had something like, you know, like it was like if your knees start to mess up or something in the contract that whatever, that they wouldn't be reliable or something like that. And um, I I got it out. But um, it it really doesn't bother me no more, man. I I put that behind me. I think it kind of messed me up in the draft process. You know, I think I should have been drafted, but, you know. You leave that to other people. You can't really control that. But um, I I think it it did set me back a little bit. But uh, it doesn't really bother my mindset anymore. You know, I'm older, much more mature, and I mean, I got past that stuff. So you know, it it, it can't break me. It never will break me.
1: No, I was going. Yeah, but what I was leading to is like, yes, I mean, you're a new man as far as I'm concerned compared to four years ago. (laughs) But some people have trouble, you know. Getting past that when they're when they're wanting to hire you, so to speak, I would think, and I I think right now you're probably you're probably is in be- is in the best shape of your life. Am I am I incorrect about that?
2: I am. I'm definitely in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel like I'm at the best of my game that I've I've ever been. Um, just waiting for an opportunity. That's it. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think people really look at me for you know the knee issues anymore. Right now, yeah. I just think. It's such a crazy time that it's hard to, you know, get things settled. So, you know, just keep on fighting, man. And, you know, the the, the opportunity to come one of these days for sure.
1: Yeah, the phone could ring at any moment. It could ring while we're talking right here, right? At any boom, moment. <laughs> Tim May podcast would be over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, last thing. What was it? Give people an idea of what it was like with you guys, the three amigos, as I called you guys uh actually i ended up calling you all the three graduados since that's graduate in (laughs) spanish i think if it's not it should be but the three (laughs) graduados there that last year what was it like just being with three guys two other guys who had like you had in their own ways had paid their dues for that shot you know what i mean and you finally you finally got to the spotlight and you know i've told people that's what that's what makes ohio state different from a lot of other programs much more like Clemson and and Alabama is you got these guys who are in the program who've been there for a while and for one reason or another, haven't gotten that shot yet, but they can rise at any moment, you know? And, uh, but just what was, what was it kind of like just to during the, during that year and a half or whatever to be part of that group and, and how well you guys not only played together, but got along together.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was super special. Um, We all consider ourselves brothers. So it's never like, give me the ball over him or, you know, I, I need more touches or anything like that. You know, we just, we took it how it went. We knew that one day I'm going to have a big game. Next game I might have one catch. Terry's going to have yeah. the big game. Perry's going to have a big game every game. You know, he's in the slot. So, you know, that's the, that's the spot. So.
1: Yeah. The slot <laughs> is the spot. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, but we, we knew how the game went. So, you know, we really didn't stress it over it. We knew everybody was going to get theirs, you know. And like I said, we were all best friends. You know, we were all very close. We did everything together and, those two guys made it easy, you know, just to be in the building every day. You know, once you're fifth year, you become a little old and grumpy. <laughs> yeah. But those guys, they, they made it so easy, man, to just go out there and, you know, do what we love. And um, to this day, I mean, we it ain't been that many years or anything, but we still right. talk you know, every other day, things like that. So we still have that relationship going, you know. That's something that's never going to change.
1: Hey, uh, Justin Fields. What comes to mind when I say Justin Fields? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Special. Now define as an athlete who has played at the at the highest level. Define what define what special means to you.
2: As a quarterback, he can go in there and do it all. Um, like I heard um, Coach Myers say, he can he can throw it like Dwayne, he can run it like Braxton. You know, he's everything you want in a quarterback and. You know, he, he seemed to have grown much more from last year. You know, yeah. and that's crazy because a guy that played like he did last year, you still can grow. And you know, he's taking the steps. And Coach Dave, man, he's he's a guru, so he's going to get him right. You know, and Corey over there, he's been, you know, he's Coach Myers, you know, people. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. He's got doesn't has all the tools that he need around him to you know to be successful. You know, from here on to the next level, and you know, I think he's going to be successful.
1: Yeah, twenty of twenty-one in your opener, and the one was when Chris Chris got hit at the goal line on that uh, late thrown uh, uh, post cut, or else he, you know, that would have been a touchdown, you know. Uh, And Chris uh, about
2: that one too, man. Chris usually catches those.
1: Yeah, but but you know, that's what I wanted to ask you last last two things. I wanted the last couple things. You know me, man. I always have six more last questions. You you know me from the the (laughs) old days. what does it take for a receiver to take a licking like Jackson did, like Chris did on Saturday, and be willing to go back out there and play? Meaning, you know, over the middle, etc. What, 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 what is wrong with you guys that makes y'all want to do that?
2: <laughs> you know, it comes with the game. Um, you, you know, you're going to take a hit at some point. You know, you got to stand in there like a man and take it, and that's what he did. And you know, you go through so much of the workouts and things like that, that really doesn't phase you. You know, you you get up and you rub it off and, you know, next play, next play mentality. And that's what he did. You know, he got up, shook it off and kept going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Would you have liked to have played at Penn State when white out the night meant some guy running a, uh, running an ambient crowd noise thing that keeps it at 70 decibels until there's a good play and it can only go to 90 decibels as opposed, you know what I mean? To what, Y'all experienced? What do you think that's going to be like for those guys over there on Saturday night? I mean, it's, it's, it's almost going to be like being in the whack, right? Maybe even easier because y'all always had that, that, uh, playlist going on at the yeah, whack.
2: That, 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 playlist over there was, you know, a little iffy, but, um, yeah. yes. <laughs> some guys won't even know how it feels to play in that stadium during the whiteout. Um, so, you know, they don't really have much to worry about, um, some of the older guys that, that probably played over there, it's going to be definitely weird for them because when you play over there in that whiteout, you can't hear the person right next to you talking. You know, it's wow. – I think that's something that really helps Penn State over there because as soon as they make a, a play, it's going crazy. So, um, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if it, it hurts us. I think it, it hurts them more than anything. You know, they're, they're not going to be, you know, used to being quiet over in that stadium. So, you know, I think we'll be good.
1: Yeah what what what's uh what was it like though to make that crowd be quiet i mean you're you what i'm saying meaning like i talked to you guys before a lot of a lot of you guys enjoyed playing on the road when in fact you could get that win or get that big play and suddenly 105,000 people aren't saying anything
2: yeah. <laughs> That's that's always the best man you know those crowds be they be they be crazy man and some of them fans would be like right behind you yeah. so um, it's always good to go in there and, you know, shut up a a team's crowd, uh, every time, especially the student section, man. Those, oh, they be wilding. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's it, it's always fun to go in there and you know, you can always give them the Mike Thomas, the little shh, the silencer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, also you you guys had to watch walk that gauntlet from the uh, lock, locker room to the field, by the way, one of the not one of the great locker rooms in, in, in America, right? I mean, from a size standpoint, <laughs> et cetera. It's like everything was against you. Uh, What what was the worst thing uh, that you remember experiencing on either that walk or just from the stands or whatever you want to call it uh, over there, Johnny?
2: Uh, Nothing too bad. I've never really experienced nothing too crazy. Um, I'll tell you my worst moment over there when they blocked that kick and took it back to the house. (laughs) Yeah, That's the worst moment for me over there. Um, But, you know, I I really didn't – I can't remember the crowd being too crazy over there. i tell you, that team up north, though, they're fans. And you coming out that tunnel, oof, now they're crazy.
1: (laughs) Hey, we'll get you back on here before the Michigan game. We'll talk about those things, man. Hey, hey, last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, Ryan Day, what tells you he – obviously, he was – you know, last year had a great run. What tells you he has staying power? What is it about him that you think – he has staying power for the job of Ohio state head coach
2: coach day. He's, he's, he's a competitor, man. You know, when he had to take over our last year for those first couple games, it, it was no, no change. You know, it was, it's still the same principles. It's the same thing. I just, now he's running the show. So of course he implemented some of his stuff. Um, one thing I told him when we're in, um, bowl practices when the transition was happening between him and coach Meyer, um, I just told him be yourself. You know, you don't have to come in and be coach Meyer or anybody else that's been a head coach here. Be yourself because we love you. And, you know, God's going to want to play for you just because of the person you are, you know? So yeah, I, I, be yourself. And, you know, he's, he's being himself right now, man. He's leading that team. You know, I, I know they took an ugly L against, you know, Clemson last year, but you know, that's something that we all learn from and I'm pretty, I know he's going to learn from it and, you know, he's going to be better because that's just who Coach Day is. You know, he keeps progressing.
1: Last question, and I promise you this is the last one. <laughs> we we know Chris Olave. We know Garrett Wilson. Everybody knows Jackson Smith and Jigba now. Who is a receiver in that group that, you know, because I know you kept your ear to the ground a little bit, that you think could rise, you know, other than those three, that could rise and become a factor mid season or whatever you want to call it as this goes on down the road? Um. I would
2: say DeMario. I, really? He has, yes. He has big play potential. Um, I also want to see Babb, man. I just, you know, I want to see yeah, everybody him, does. yeah, have a better story than I did. Um, he's a special young guy, man. I love that dude. And, you know, he's very humble. You know, of course, he's going through the injury stuff. But like I did, you just got to put it behind you and keep progressing. And, you know, I love to see him keep battling back each time and, and hopefully he gets his chance to shine this year. You know, I'm look, very looking forward to him and DeMario. DeMario has that big playability. You know, you can get a kid to ball anywhere and he can score. So I'm excited for those two, man. I just want to see them, you know, live out their dreams and, you know, be able to make some plays this year.
1: Johnny, what advice would you give DeMario? McCall is who we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what advice would you give him to get on the field? Because he's, he's always seemed like this is going to be his year you know, and stuff happens. What What's the advice you would give him knowing him?
2: Um, I think it starts in practice. Not saying that he's a bad practice player or anything like that, but, you know, coming to practice, being consistent, you know, I think that's where it starts because, you know, they see it in practice, then, you know, game day, they have much more respect and they trust you. So I think it, it starts there, man. Just, you know, keep progressing. Don't never, you know, settle for less. You know, just keep yeah. being yourself become better and you know just keep keep working that's all i mean that's all you can really do you know uh keep the main you. thing main thing i would say
1: gotcha hey by the way you still taking photos
2: i've been a little lazy but I, I'm, I'm gonna get back into it pretty soon here
1: ladies and gentlemen <laughs> this guy's a talented photographer he's uh he's a. He's uh, being humble right now, but uh, he has a future in that uh, down the road uh, if he wants to get into it. Man, you need to get like a Facebook page or something where you post some of your stuff where people can uh, pay close attention to it. Do you have that going on?
2: I actually got an Instagram page. Yeah. um, Yeah. I I got an Instagram page for it. I got a couple photos up there, so –
1: How can he find it? How can he find your Instagram page?
2: Um, if you go to my main page, you can. It's actually in my bio. Let me see. I forget the name of it. Actually, it's been that long. (laughs) It might be. God, let me see. It's JD's icy shots, but the the I for icy is a one. You know.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, like 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 Big (laughs) Ten. Like a like a Big Ten logo. Yeah. (laughs) Big one man.
2: You hey, always go yeah. to my main page and find it in my bio.
1: Yeah, boy, this is a weird times we're living in, all right, Johnny. Super weird, man. It's crazy. I mean, you know, Ohio State just started the season last week and uh, eight games. And now, how would you, how would you have handled this situation? Obviously, you're sitting here trying to get to play football yourself, but uh right. <laughs> strange times, huh?
2: Strange times, man. But in a situation like this, I mean, I just, just how to be regular season, you know. I go in there and just, you know, do what I can do, man. Don't let it derail you from anything or the process of you know what you've been going through you know you guys went to camp already and stuff like that so I mean just yeah. do what you do man don't let it you know derail the process of what's going on you still got to play football at the end of the day to get get to where you want to be you know so go out there and do what you do man.
1: There you go ladies and gentlemen Johnny Lightning Dixon as I called him uh, <laughs> after he got his feet under him he was he was electric, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, as you find out now, he's a photographer and a philosopher. So, uh, <laughs> Johnny, hey, good luck, man, down the road. Keep me informed of what's going on with you, man. And Because uh, I know that you've got a tremendous number of fans back here, you know, in the in the Buckeye Nation especially, who were, were really – I don't know, I think they were attracted to you for all kinds of reasons, including your humility, man, your humbleness. Uh, I think that a lot of people really like you for that and the fact that you persevered through – tough times that people really c- couldn't really wrap their heads around. You know, why did his knees hurt all the time? Well, he got that fixed, ladies and gentlemen. And sp- it either. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got yeah. it wrapped around now. Hey, Johnny, yeah. thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, my man.
2: No problem, man. Thanks for having me.
1: And, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, and awesome ward. You know, I think people understand. I had a, I had a great relationship with Johnny Dixon when he was at Ohio State, even when he wasn't playing, you know, because he was one of those guys you just, like I said uh, in the interview with him, I felt for him, you know, uh, but you always thought if he could get his act together with his knees and stuff, he could be that special player. And he turned out to be that guy, right? Uh, awesome. Yeah, I think in terms of
0: feel good endings for Ohio State careers and ones that you never know if you're going to get, I mean, Johnny Dixon had to go through so much adversity with his health, and it, it you know, it felt like it took him you know, the full five years or more he was around so long to, to really get to that point where he could do what he wanted and show what he could become. It was cool to all, to get to know him off the field. Like you said, Yeah, uh, I had to do that as well. And, you know, I, I went bowling with him one night cause he, that became one of his hobbies and wrote about him off the field and the things he'd gone through and the hobbies he picked up, the photography, uh, bowling and I beat him. Uh, I'm not a great bowler, but I beat him that day. Got to make sure that we have that as part of this because he's never got uh, taken me up on that rematch or wanted to reclaim his glory. So I've got that up on Johnny, uh, which I know will bug him forever because he's such a great competitor, um, you know, one of my all-time favorites.
1: And by the way, you're from Wyoming, so that's a lot of what you do probably in the winter there from like October to, to April is uh, do a lot of bowling. And the great thing I think about the lanes in Wyoming is they're they're all downhill, so the ball actually picks up speed as it goes down the lane, right? Well, you know, I was more of a, uh, uh,
0: shuffleboard student athlete. That was oh,
1: my game. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why am I not
0: surprised? Go ahead now. That was my game. So that way, you know, you get to switch sides of who's throwing downhill, uh, as the game goes on. That was, that was more my game of choice than bowling. Um, but you know, both of the lanes have to be slick. You got to play the, uh, you know, find the angles and get the speed right and, uh, you know that's yeah. Maybe that was my my advantage over John. And your and your hometown was remind everybody. My hometown is Casper, I and mean, then went to school the uh, most famous university in the world, University of Wyoming down in Laramie. Uh, yeah. Tough loss, tough loss for the Brown and Gold on Saturday night. Uh, was glad that I got to go be home and watch it, but um, boy, overtime. I watched some of that game. Yeah, you back but... Sean Chambers getting hurt. You know. I know people yeah. want to hear about the Buckeyes, but, man, that one. Exactly.
1: That one but, I mean, the, bottom, the, the thing I've always said, to, you know, you've heard me say this about Wyoming and Casper, you can get on the interstate there, just put your, get going, put your car in neutral, and you can coast all the way to St. Louis, right, if I'm not mistaken. Well,
0: it, it depends on how much momentum you get to uh, the flat flat part of Nebraska. Yeah. That's as far as it'll carry. I've never I never tried to get all the way to St. Louis, but you can roll across most of Nebraska pretty easily. And there you go. Get over yeah. to Lincoln to Lincoln, to, uh, to talk about a team that we saw on Saturday.
1: Yeah, North Platte, but I digress. Um, <laughs> here's, here's my take on what happened Saturday. Ohio State wins 52-17. to What more do you need to know? Uh, well, what you need to know is, as much as we gushed about the Ohio State offensive line, two new starters on that group. are Munford is 100% compared to like 70 or 80% like he played last year. They went against, as I kept reminding people all week and in that pregame show I do on 97.1 The Fan, uh, they were going against an oddball defense, a 3-4. Clearly, Nebraska's defensive coordinator had some really nice uh, stunts, et cetera, lined up, which were hit or miss. But when they hit, you know, they kind of stunted the Ohio State running game for a while. But Ohio State got the running game going finally. I thought Steel Chambers uh, was more a part of adding some punch there than the other two guys, you know, when they really needed it. And I'm talking about the other two guys being um, Master Teague III and Trey Sermon. But I came out of that game thinking they've got three running backs who are competent. Now you need to see one of them really maybe get a chance to rise above the fray. But it'll be a little more predictable this week from the standpoint of what the kind of defense they'll be going against at Penn State. Defensively, uh, well, wait a minute, back to the offense. Justin Fields, 20 of 21 two touchdowns, ran for another, great spin move, over 300 yards total offense, enough said. Garrett Wilson, what, seven receptions out of the slot. We all think he's going to be the leading receiver this year because of that. Nothing think we saw Saturday would, uh, would dissuade that. We're, we're all interested to see what Chris Olavi's health situation is after leaving the game with what it looked like were a, a concussion, possible concussion kind of situation. But we'll see how that goes as this week goes along. Other than that, he had a hell of a game, except for one play where he got hit and not dropped the ball. The one, uh, the one, uh, incompletion for Justin Fields right at the goal line when he was wide open, but Justin threw it a little bit late. But I digress. Defensively, eight new starters kind of played the way I thought they would those first couple of drives, first half, really against Nebraska. But as I like to say, what Ohio State outscored Nebraska thirty-eight to three after the score was tied at fourteen really, I think that sums it up. And as I wrote about this week, uh, at letter Monroe and Monday, your story dropped, you know, Haskell, Haskell Garrett, the spark he brought in, brought to the field late in the second rate, late in the second quarter, when he made a sack and enforced, uh, Adrian Martinez out on the edge for another loss on the next play. That just seemed to juice up the whole defense from that moment. And, uh, Haskell Garrett, as we know, was shot through both cheeks uh, the way we understand it. Uh, way back on August the 30th, was lucky the bullet went through where it went, uh, but he's been fighting to get back to the field. And in my opinion, you know, Austin, he was a little bit of a surprise that he played Saturday and that he played as much as he did, right? Let's just start with him.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised because there was a lot of uncertainty when, you know, you knew that he was going to be back at some point, or at least that was the way it had been trending for a little while because you had – once you were really confident that – everything was healing there uh, other than the fact that he missed some time and some practice, you know, he was going to be able to come back and do the rest. The rest of him physically was going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to, it wasn't even two months ago that he, it was a gunshot wound and, you know, having to come in and work through, you know, uh, workouts or meetings and have those stitches and the bandages on your face. It, it's and you <laughs> think about what could happen if it was three inches the other way. It's absolutely um, crazy to think about what
1: he did and the way he came back. No, no, it. Kerry Combs summed it up best. It's a miracle. Miracle. Now, may not be quite that, but it was definitely something special.
0: It was very close to being something, um, you know, complete opposite. And he doesn't get that chance to do what he did on Saturday. And Ohio State needs Haskell Garrett to take <laughs> that next step. He's, he's just been a depth guy for three years, despite, you know, pretty lofty, recruiting rankings and expectations and you've seen flashes of him really helping and what his athleticism can do. But, you know, this was an opportunity where with what they lost at defensive tackle with Devon Hamilton and Jay Sean Cornell and Robert Landers gone, this, they were counting on him to be a frontline guy. And he showed yeah. on Saturday that he could be that.
1: Yeah. Not only counting on, they needed to happen. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we, we saw again on Saturday, I thought the defensive front got off to a, um, uh, tentative start would you call it would you call it that I mean uh and uh it kind of played the way I thought it would but uh I thought it kind of asserted itself as a, as the as the uh, game went along but like you I mean I was a little surprised it took Zach Harrison as long as it did to get on the field yep. you know compared to all the 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 offseason the very very long offseason um uh, build up for him and he was really the third choice really going in there at the, one of the defensive end spots as it went along and Still not clear. You may have a clearer picture of what went on there. What do you think the situation was there, Austin? Yeah, I I still, at this point, haven't uh, heard
0: anything that would, you know, punishment wise, whether he was fully healthy. I I don't know. um, He played, he wasn't listed on the availability report, but you know, sometimes coming out of training camp, you can have a nagging thing or, or maybe there was, you know, something that uh, a message that needed to be sent. I, I, I don't know what it was. i sometimes it's best just to admit that up front. I'm not going to speculate. Yeah. I was surprised you and I both didn't have any sort of, you know, tip that this might be coming. Um, and so it was it was frustrating to to sit there and watch because you knew on that first couple of drives that it wasn't happening for the pass rush, wasn't what you expected. And you see, you know, number nine and number 11, both over there on the sideline with Tyreek Smith as well, um, waiting for a chance to get in. Uh, so, you know, I didn't think, I thought Jonathan Cooper would start. I didn't know that Tyler Friday would at the other defensive end spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had Antoine Jackson in there at defensive tackle. And I just, I, you know, that group that was out there, I don't believe is the first choice unit uh, for the rushman. I, I think if you're building the ideal situation, maybe it's still Cooper because of what he gives you. And, and I thought he played pretty well, even if he didn't have a crazy, you know, Chase Young statistical day. And then either Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith on the other side, Tommy Togiai, that guy is going to be a beast uh, as this yes. season goes on, and then I think you have to have Haskell Garrett out there. He, you know, Antoine Jackson's been in the program a long time. Maybe there was some, you know, uncertainty with with getting Garrett out involved early, trying to monitor his his snaps coming off that gunshot. But boy, he was he was an impact player when he was in there.
1: He to you absolutely knew he was on the field, you know, and and like you said about Jonathan Cooper, uh, I don't think anybody's ever. Uh, compared him let's let's put it that away with like chase young but he did have a hell of a play when he grabbed adrian martinez uh back in major martinez was was running to the to his right and grabbed him as i use the word discombobulated him because next thing you know uh martinez drops the ball after jonathan cooper after he gets out of jonathan cooper's grasp seven banks picks it up seven for six as i like to say because he scooped and scored and uh <laughs> And boom! I mean, the game was over at that point. Agreed. I mean, that was that was the uh, exclamation point on a 24-point run that had started late in the second quarter, and uh, Ohio State was uh, was was g- gaining yet another W against Nebraska. Yeah, and I don't
0: think I I agree with you. When seven banks crossed the goal line, you know, I, I knew that game was over. It was probably already over. The talent was yeah. starting to, uh, you know. Turn the tide, hold sway, to borrow a Tim May expression. Um, That really just—that's the thing I think that separated Ohio State from the Big Ten teams last year was they have an ability. Even if they struggle for, let's say, 20 minutes on Saturday, once they once they hit the foot on the accelerator, there are only maybe two programs in the country that could try and slow them down or drive alongside them, and they don't—they're not in the Big Ten. Um, Yes. Alabama and Clemson so once that happens and you could feel it coming um once Ohio State got that ball back they were calling timeouts late in the second quarter they I, I thought they were going to throw a touchdown to Chris Olave, drops it that was my prediction but you knew that they were going to score before half they were going to be up 10 and then they were going to get the ball and you just knew it like all right well this game's over and then seven yeah. caps it on defense and that's a guy who doesn't need any more confidence but he got more. When you score, man, you, you feel like you belong, and people start noticing you. That'll help because, to be co- to be completely honest about the defensive secondary, uh, they did not rotate as much at corners as I thought that they would between Seven Banks and Cameron Brown, and uh, that tells you the kind of camp that that Seven must have had.
1: Yeah. Yeah for one of another term, they sort of got a little bit of their swagger uh, going, you know, and it's, like I said, eight new starters on defense. I mean, eight new full-time starters on defense. Some of those guys have started games here or there right. uh, was interesting. Pete Warner, I thought had a gr- had a really effective, quiet, but a quietly effective game at that weak side linebacker spot in his first uh, tour of duty at that spot. Uh, I thought Duff Borland played pretty well, you know, and, uh, Baron Browning, you hardly ever heard his name called, but he was active out there. He just, it just wasn't his game. You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't, sometimes the, the plays have got to come to you a little bit, right? Yeah, I think
0: um, I sat down with, with Zach Warren, you know, remotely doing it Zoom for Buckeye Q this year, and we went through that opening drive, which, you know, they adjusted after those final 40 minutes. You don't give up a touchdown to that Nebraska team. That's pretty impressive. I think that's yes. – I'm going to give them credit here before I go on that, that was a great game plan. They had unique wrinkles. That offensive line is very good. When we're talking about the Rushman, maybe not getting after the passer the way we might have expected. That's – I think that's a good offense. So the adjustments that Kerry Combs through me for the final 39 minutes, I think that's impressive. It tells you what these Buckeyes can become on defense. But I think you know, if there's been a knock with Baron Browning, when you move him around positionally, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, Some of the assignment stuff for him, and I don't know it specifically, but I defer to the guys who played it before. And Zach Bourne will look at some of this stuff with footwork and uh, maybe a hesitancy to react to plays. And people tend to blame Pete Warner or Tuff Borland for these plays, which are really not errors that they're making. On that opening drive for Nebraska, you could kind of you know, the, the long play for Luke McCaffrey, you know, Baron Browning basically trips, slips over his own feet, before a play that's coming back his side, he's out of position before it even started. And, you know, so there's nothing that tough Borland can do. He could run a, a a three, three, eight 40, and he's not going to make the play from where he is. Um, You know, the point is all those guys are going to get more comfortable. I think Baron Browning's athleticism is going to be a huge asset for the Buckeyes, but he looked a little unsettled and uncomfortable early on as a lot of guys did. You got to get the rust off. You got to get familiar with it. And Nebraska had a good plan. So, You know, we nitpick a little bit. That's uh, sort of what you have to do with a team that plays at this level, like Ohio State. Uh, That doesn't mean anybody's given up on Baron Browning at any point soon, but I, I think it is a reminder that both Pete Warner and Tuff Borland are more than capable of getting the job done, and sometimes, you know, they might look like they're chasing a play you might want to yeah. look at some of the other guys on the field before pointing it at the fingers. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: 52-17, I think, was the right verdict, uh, the right final verdict on that game. Let's right. just hit some things really quick here that stood out. Number one, you know, the depth at wide receiver, wow. Uh, <laughs> we, you and I both expected it yeah. to see it, and then it happens right in front of you. And there were guys, you know, Julian Fleming got a catch, you know. I, I forgot how many guys actually made a catch. But, oh, my goodness, I've rarely – Maybe that was the greatest, right up there in the running, like that Devin Smith catch against Miami of Ohio way back when, when he leaped at the back of the end zone, Uh, you know, way back, I think it was uh, Urban Meyer's first game in Ohio Stadium, Uh, but that Jackson Smith and Jigba catch at the back of the end zone, we were all gushing about him before the thing started, right? I mean, we were paying attention. Yes, they do have some talent at those wide receiver spots, but to see a kid get, as uh, Johnny Lightning Dixon pointed out, see him get knocked down over the middle and draw a uh, uh, a targeting call. Next thing you know, he's making one of the great catches you've ever seen in Ohio Stadium and, uh, going up. It, all of his body except his right foot is out of the end zone when he catches the ball. But He gets his right foot down for the touchdown. They had to go to replay to confirm it. But, wow, that just confirmed it for us, right, Austin? Yeah, I think – I mean, anybody who's even remotely paying attention
0: to this team knows that they have historic depth and talent at wide receiver. There, That's been obvious for quite some time. I can't even imagine anyone thinking otherwise. But, um, Me neither. You know, you look at the recruiting rankings for these guys, with you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming, uh, coming in behind Garrett Wilson, who is an absolute monster in the slot, going to be a huge problem for the Big Ten. You know, and Jamison Williams – uh, someone that you've talked about a lot and if, another four-star guy um, that I, I thought, I think there's going to be more for him coming. I thought that that game plan was a little bit, a little bit vanilla, which is, I don't, I, you, you're playing Penn State. Oh yeah, I agree. So there's stuff with Jamison Williams that I know is coming. Um, you know, Mookie Cooper didn't have a chance to get involved. G Scott, you know, those guys were out maybe for our special teams. Um, you know, Cam Babb still waiting in the wings, you know,
1: Trying to be in that Johnny Dixon story at some point, Jalen Harris. And by the way, Johnny Dixon, as you as you heard him, Johnny Dixon brought him up. Him and Demario McCall are two guys he expects to see possibly bloom this year. That people aren't paying attention to. I said, Demario McCall, are you sure? He goes, Yeah. He goes, He goes. The guy, if he gets the ball in his hands, you know, could be electric. But go back to your point. Well, <laughs> I wanted to throw that in there for you because I know, you know what your thoughts are on that.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, I know why they feel that way. A lot former players former teammates, they all see what he become, what he can do when he has the ball in his hands. And, you know, if you could get it there and, and believe that it would stay there, then Ohio State would find more ways to use him. That's beside the point. But yeah, you know, with a lot of A at the top and Wilson and, and Jamison Williams, I mean, that's as good of a trio as you're going to find, even though Jamison is still – he's still waiting for that opportunity to prove himself. That'll come. But when you supplement it with guys who are as ready physically – and mentally as Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba G Scott and, and uh, Mookie Cooper appear to be, you know, there's nobody. like uh, Justin Fields. That's one reason why I think he wanted to play this season so much. He knew that he had a historically talented, um, you know, I'm, I'm serious when I say that, it sounds like, I, I, know. I, I know this. It's yeah. the greatest. It's the greatest signing class at wide receiver in, in college football recruiting history. And those guys are ready to go. Um, you don't see freshmen in their debut make catches like Jackson Smith and Jigba did. You might yeah. not. You might not see another guy make that catch uh, ever again. I mean, that's one of the best catches I've ever seen. Um, when Olave was out later in the game, you know they ran sort of that patented play that Justin Fields rolls out. You know, deep and maybe a dig to the sideline. I'm not sure exactly the terminology that Ohio State uses, but you saw Julian Fleming run that route, get wide open, just like it was Chris Olave, easy pitch and catch. Yep. So you know. He's going to have something to prove. He's going to want to play uh, at Penn State with what happened in his recruitment and, you know, you know, being close to home. and I, Nobody was going to be in the stands for him, obviously. But, um, you know, he's got – if Chris Olave, for some reason, is not able to go on Friday, I don't think that there's any reason to think Julian Fleming couldn't go out there uh, and play a key role for these Buckeyes. And I agree. That's, that's a re- – I agree. It's remarkable yeah. depth.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, that's the great thing the great thing about covering Ohio state is, and I was talking to Johnny about this too, uh, you know, is that you have these freshmen coming in, then you have these other guys that have been in the program for a while who have paid their dues. And if they just get a shot, maybe they can do the thing. I mean, like he talked about, about Cameron Bab. he goes, that's going to basically be a better story about Cameron Babb than about Johnny Dixon, the, you know, the knee problems. Cause yeah. he's had real knee problems. Uh, and uh, if he ever gets it, but you know, let's move on from that. I, uh, um, Hinted about it in our in the opening, you know. I think Ohio State clearly doesn't have a what you would say a running back who defined himself as better than the other two on Saturday. I'm talking about Master Teague the third, Trace Herman, and Steel Chambers. But I thought Steel Chambers showed was the most effective when they needed him most, coming off the goal lines. We talked about in that uh, quick reaction, as uh, mm-hmm. rapid reaction uh, story or video after the game on Saturday, but. I think Steel Chambers deserves a little bit more of a maybe a look, if that's the right term, or more consideration there. What do you? What's your take on that? Yeah. And give me a quick take. A quick take. I would I would say that
0: I've probably not um, given him enough um, attention for what he could become. even on Saturday afterwards, I think, you know, you brought it up, and um, I think that Trey Sermon is it should be the lead back for the Buckeyes, and you know that. Nothing I saw on Saturday really changed that. However, uh, Steel Chambers did run ex- exceptionally hard uh, when they needed that spark on the goal line. And, you know, they had the faith to give it to him on a long third down, he converted. That's yeah, from where you are on the field and, and to trust him. Um, you know, maybe maybe you don't know if you're going to convert the first down, but you're still expecting when you give it to him that he's going to get you some yards to maybe make it easier to punt and he's not going to fumble. So, he's
1: going to secure the ball, yeah.
0: Even just handing it to him in that situation tells you that Ohio State does have some confidence in what Steel Chambers can provide. Um, and and if we don't know what the timeline for recovery is for Marcus Crowley, he becomes more important because yeah. I think one reason that I haven't kept Steel Chambers in that mix before was because I, I had viewed Marcus Crowley as being ahead of him based on last year and not redshirting. And the stuff that I really liked about his game until he got hurt against Maryland, well, you know, just because Steele Chambers wound up being redshirt doesn't mean he wasn't working, learning the offense and getting better. And, and physically, I mean, that guy, <laughs> he could play pretty much anywhere on the field, I think. He is, he is athletic. He's fast. He's strong. Um, we might see him get more touches, Tim.
1: You know, you growing up in Wyoming, I've, I've come to this conclusion. When somebody says quick, that doesn't mean the same to people in Wyoming because – there's so little to do in the winter. You probably sit around and just tell stories to each other. You just they just go on and on, and because you bring up all the nuance. That's what I like. You know, you're a detailed dude. You know, I agree with you. Everything you just said there. Uh, but now, when now when I say quick, I mean the campfire, quick. Tim. That's what we do. Exactly, like in Blazing Saddles, <laughs> eating beans. <laughs> but I digress. Uh. uh I'm not giving up – Mastig, the third, scored a couple touchdowns on Saturday. Ran really hard on both of those. And uh, I thought he looked good, especially on his second touchdown. Made a great cut. You know, was aware of where people were on the field. Made the cut up through the wide open spaces. Mm -hmm. Instead of just bouncing it out like a first-year guy might try to do. And and it paid off for him. So, like I said, I think the the jury is out on who uh, of these three is going to emerge as the guy. And I mean all three. Because – I think Steel Chambers showed me a lot. You know, he, he averaged eight, what, eight eight yards of carry on his four carries. I mean, he only got four carries. But when you when you convert like he did on that third down, that's a big deal. Now let's move on. Uh, we we're talking about Justin Fields. What, what, what more do you see, need to say? More than 300 yards total offense, 20 a of 21 passing, the one pass that was that was incomplete. We talked about with Chris Olave getting hit at the goal line when that ball was thrown late, in my opinion. Kind of added up to it. uh, uh Chris Olave, like you said, we're waiting to hear how he's gonna be as this week goes on. But uh what do you think what do you think these this team thinks of Penn State after what we saw Penn State do in the last uh five minutes of that game at Indiana the other day when they took a lead, an eight point lead and managed to blow it. What what do you think the Buckeyes are thinking about what they're running into on Saturday night? Because we we all know the white out the night thing is going to be a pale version of itself. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. I think yeah, um, I
0: think that they, they've been – there's enough veterans on this team that can tell them, hey, Penn State is the second most talented team in the Big Ten. They lost, but even if you went through the box score of that game, you wouldn't – you'd have a hard time understanding how that happened uh, and why, you know, just the statistical edge. That was really kind of a vintage James Franklin performance of finding a way to lose a game that there was no no reason he should have um, so I, I think that nothing will really change. you know Ohio State did they went through something similar last year with, with when Wisconsin got upset. They know that in this league where the, the level of play is rising, even the best teams uh, and, and shoot I mean they've lost games themselves a couple years ago yeah. with Purdue and Iowa just to bring that up, but they've enough veterans to say look just because Penn state lost last week. That does not mean, you know, you were, you know, these guys, you saw how highly recruited they were, you know, many of them, you've, you've played against them. You've seen
1: the battles the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, the they interject Justin Fields. You even, you were even going there at one point, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they understand. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that
0: if you're not, if you're not vigilant in that game, it can, the physical wear and tear will catch up with you. Um, and that lingered for Ohio State the rest of the year that, you know, it, did, it took them longer to really assert their will against Penn State last year than they would have maybe expected. They they were a 17-point favorite. I didn't even remember that for that huge game last year. Tell us, yeah. you again, how, you know, even even between Ohio State and Penn State, what the talent level is. But I don't think they'll have problems getting getting ready for it. They've got to go on the road. They know how talented Penn State is. And then they've been through, you know, previous wars. So I think that they – If I had to guess that this will be one that they know what's after it, you can pour everything you need into this game because you're probably going to have a breather coming with the teams on deck after that. So I I think I would be surprised if Ohio State
1: didn't put its best foot forward on Saturday night. Wait a minute. Didn't Rutgers, which plays Ohio State next at a 730 game, uh, didn't Rutgers upset Michigan State on Saturday? But then again, didn't Michigan State have seven turnovers in that game? Uh, is Greg Schiano working immediate miracles with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We'll talk about that a week from now. What do you think it's going to be like Saturday night over there, uh, Austin? You've been over there. I've been over there many, many, many times uh, for that whiteout the night. Even when they played in the afternoon, that place was rocking. Right. I'm talking about Beaver Stadium. Uh, wow. Without without the fans in that place, that's uh, – as I've always said, that stadium looked like it was built with no zoning laws, you know. Big stand over here. Big stand over there, big condo. It looks like a condo development over here. And, you know, and instead uh, well, it's just going to be like playing in the middle of a big kind of like a, like the middle of Houston or something, which has no zoning laws or very few. I mean, it's, it's going to be a very surreal atmosphere. To me, it always reminds me of a big erector set. And you, you walk
0: through like where Ohio State's locker room is and you just have, you know, exposed – you know, pieces yeah. of steel and, like, wires hanging everywhere. And it's such a – You're going to yourself, wait a minute, is that asbestos? You know, yeah. what is that? <laughs> it, what is that on the ceiling? Yeah. It is such a weird place to cover a game. And I, I know you and I both, having been there numerous times and, you know, talking to the coaches and players who've been it. it's just the atmosphere for those games at night with a wideout, but even even in normal circumstances, it's as it's great as it gets in college football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an aside, but since I've got to cover the special places that you get to go, um, I actually am reaping a, a rare benefit of their uh, not being fans in attendance. So I actually get to stay in a hotel in State College. I've never once spent a night uh, when I've been covering a Penn State-Ohio State game uh, yeah. before or after the game in State College. Like, everybody talks about going to get the ice cream or yeah. you know, whatever else. I, I've never done it. I, I drive in. I get there three hours before the game, and then I leave, depending on what the traffic is, four hours after the game. Selfishly, from my point of view, uh, I'll be okay with not having fans there, even though it is truly you feel the energy, even if just in, in the stands or the press box. And I wonder how that will affect Penn State, because this is a game where they were you know, counting on uh, having that wide out, having their fans support them. Um, you get a huge lift off. They, they always do. Yeah. I think Urban Meyer said – uh, in the past that he felt that was worth 10 points to Penn State um,
1: yeah well you know I, I first time I ever covered a game there was 1981 when uh, Iowa went up this was before I started covering Ohio State as a big writer in 84 for the Columbus Dispatch but in 81 I was over there and I covered the uh, Iowa Penn State game and of course Penn State wasn't in the league then and stuff and the stadium seemed if I remember correctly was literally half the size it is now but you know it was a great college town, great college atmosphere. The night before and stuff, and the creamery, I think, is what you're talking about, where you, you go get the uh, ice cream. Yeah, there was a line, etc. And I enjoyed every bit of the pre of the uh, pre night, you know, situation uh, up and down the main street there, there down there in front of College Main or the Big Main or the Old Main or whatever they call it. Uh, that whole area of town right there was was really hopping. And it, but yeah, the more things have gotten more popular. It's almost like, you know, what Yogi Berra said. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded, you know, <laughs> or too expensive. Right. And you're right about the hotel. The hotel prices there. I mean, like, I, I know that there are hotel owners there taking a ridiculous hit because they're not getting anywhere close to what they have charged. Even Ohio State is getting to play, is getting to stay. As you heard uh, uh, Gene Smith, I think, put it the other day when I asked him about whether they were going to go day of game or, or you know, like they had talked about or or go the night before and they're going the night before because they're getting to stay in a better hotel, (laughs) you know, Uh, because usually those are, are socked up by the, uh, by the, by the uh, alumni, et cetera, who believe in uh, Penn state, by the way, uh, Penn state got beat that day uh, by Iowa and Hayden Fry way back then. And I remember asking Hayden Fry, does, does this mean, uh, does this mean Iowa football's back? And he goes, hell son, tell it like it is. It's been back, (laughs) you know, which yeah, for like a year, but, uh, they did run, go on a pretty good run there in the Big Ten under Hayden Fry, but I digress. Wait, so uh, so they still had those storylines about major programs being back,
0: even in yeah.
1: 1880? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I see what you're going. I see where you're going there. Yes, they did. <laughs> I'm not sure Iowa was ever there until then, and well, maybe it's now. Now it's <laughs> Kinnick uh, back in those days, but uh, but you know where you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he did do a hell of a job, and there's only been one other coach there since then, Kirk Ferentz, and boom, they ran into uh, the Purdue. Boilermaker last week. Hey, real quick before we go, yeah. uh, just what's your sense, though, about this Ohio State team that took some tentative steps this past week against Nebraska, still won 52-17. Is that an example of where this team can go if you follow my drift? Because there were some things that didn't go well for them. Against an improved, by the way, Nebraska team, I, I truly believe that from what I watched compared to a year ago, uh, I, I I actually feel more confident in my my talk uh, about this being a special team than I'd even did a, a week ago because they still held sway in a big way. Yeah, and that's you know when you make some of the knee jerk reactions
0: and you think about the running game needing some you know needing some time before it got rolling or the pass rush or you know, maybe missing a couple tackles like. I didn't see anything that wouldn't be correctable for Ohio state or that they can't improve at as the season, you know, goes on that, that sort of mentality. It was a week one game and they didn't have any tune-ups. They had to go right out against a team that like you said, and I talked about their offense earlier, you know, I think they're going to be pretty good. Stopping Nebraska is not going to be easy for anybody, but, you know, I asked day about this after the game where, You won 52 to 17, and and maybe by the program's high standards, it didn't quite measure up, which that tells you just how high the standards truly are, because almost any team in the country would take that for their opener. And if you look back at what Clemson did in week one or what Alabama did in week one, because that's going to be a staple part of our conversation here. I think both of those games were like, you know, 20 point wins, but nobody left them thinking that Alabama was a world beater, that Clemson was a finished product. It takes time yeah. until you get rolling. And that was week one, even though it was October 24th. So that's a game where Ryan Day will say they won easily against a, a, an opponent that they will know gave them a test. And he gets to go back and coach them this week and say, here are all these things that you can do better. Like that's the yeah. perfect opener for a head coach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They even know it too, you know, and uh, so – yeah, this is this is interesting uh, because, th- like you said, this is still a dangerous game. Penn State, second best probably personnel in the league, although Michigan looked pretty pretty damn good at Minnesota the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they finally let their quarterback play, Milton looks like the real deal. You know, we'll see as the season goes on. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it, this is the interesting uh, matchup: Ohio State, Penn State, the one as as. Urban Meyer referred to Ohio State had two speed bumps on its schedule, uh, Penn State and Michigan this year in the regular season and then playing in the Big Ten championship game. But this is definitely should not be taken for granted. I know they want – I know they understand how weird that game was the other day over at Indiana, but Indiana persevered. Michael Penix, Jr., if he'd have played the first 58 minutes like he played the last two and then overtime, (laughs) who knows what would have happened over there, right? uh, Or if he was one uh, inch shorter. Yeah, but, you know, bad clock management, no doubt about it, by Penn State gave Indiana a shot, and it took full advantage. And uh, Wait, I, James I don't think Franklin count. blew a late-game scenario? Huh? James Franklin what? blew a late-game scenario? Yeah, I'm just uh, – oh, um, wow. As, as my buddy uh, Jeff Snook says, I'm telling it like it is, you know. Uh, anybody could see what was going on there. But, uh, yeah, but you can't count, always count on that kind of stuff. You know, you got to go out and take care of business – I think this team, this offensive line, has rededicated itself. It faced some ridiculous stunting, uh, uh, blitzing situations the other night uh, that, you know, that wouldn't probably catch them napping in a third or fourth game, but definitely caught them letting guys occasionally come free. Luckily, they had maybe the best quarterback in the country, definitely in the running, top three quarterback in the country, to kind of like uh, to to make uh, what do you call it, chicken chicken soup out of uh, chicken droppings. And uh, they took care of business. And uh, uh, I like, like you said, I expect them to take care of business on Saturday night at Happy Valley because this is not whiteout the night. This is not the whiteout the night your father knew about, right? It is not. And that's, you know,
0: that's going to be the case for everybody. It's not um, – it'll be weird for every opponent in a Big Ten stadium. Uh, but anyone who goes to Penn State this year, you know, it's not just the whiteout. Like you, get, you get a break. That's the same thing for anyone who comes to the Horseshoe. Uh, 105,000 people will not be there. Big house. You know, how weird was it on Friday night when they had to the, try to do the jump around at Camp Randall? Like, that's just yeah. – home, home field advantage is a huge part of college football um, because of the passion of the people who come fill these huge cathedrals. Um, and it's weird. It was weird there on Saturday. You and I were both in there. We were lucky enough to be there. Thanks to Jerry Emick for giving us credentials and – uh, letting letting row do our job in there. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we get to keep doing that. But you know, it's it's bizarre, and you have to manage that. Bring the energy yourself, and that goes for home team. Uh, the road team gets a little bit of break, but it's still going to be super weird because you're going to be getting tested. You you can't sit next to your buddy when you're eating. You know, lunch. Uh, Got to be distance for your meetings. Like all that all that stuff is weird. And this will be. I use my mask for, for a.
1: a I use my mask for a napkin at one point. So uh, that's where I was for that pizza, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think Letterman Rowe with all the with all the attention and clicks we get on this uh web on this uh, website, I think you know we 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 are second to none in my opinion, both in our coverage and the way we go about our business. But uh, Austin, uh, uh it's going to be an interesting night. Let's put it that way, one way or the other. It's really going to tell us a lot about this 2020 Ohio State football team over at Penn State. Yep, I like Ohio State. Possibly, you know, ten point. I think they opened as a ten point favorite. I think that's a that's a good number, maybe bigger than that. And uh, and I'm, I'm as curious as you to see if they take the next step to see if these this deep receiving core continues to produce. Right?
0: Yeah, I I was actually surprised that the number was so low, Tim. After coming off of a loss for Penn State, and you know, I, I, like I said, I I had forgot they were a seventeen point favorite at home last year. Yeah, but with no home field advantage and
1: and James well, Frank maybe maybe. Maybe the odds makers are paying attention to how these games have been so wacky <laughs> <Then> <laughs> of maybe late, it. you know? Yeah, but I'm, I was surprised by it. I thought it would be bigger. Yeah. Hey, and uh, the other thing, that, as I pointed out in our uh, rapid reaction, and I continue to point out, the great thing about this Ohio State offense right now, the reason this is the golden era of Ohio State offense is, yes, the running game had a hard time getting going the other day, but Ohio State has this major league elite passing game, <laughs> you know, Okay, you stop this. Now stop this. Right. That very few teams have in America. Alabama's got that. Clemson's got that. Ohio State's got that, and that's what separates those three from everybody. Everybody else. Do you agree? Without they a have a. They have a an A or a B answer. That's just as good. Yeah, and you wonder. You know, does Alabama
0: have that same wide receiver depth as Ohio State? Because take Jalen a out of that mix, and I know yeah. that they recruit at a very high level too. But uh, yeah, you know. They still look pretty good, even after he was gone the other right. day. So that's yeah. the same sort of deal. Like you take a waddle out, and we'll see what happens with Chris Olave this week. You know that they have more talent coming in, but those are also special veteran players who, you know, are going to be in the NFL and have been through these battles before. And yeah. your Nick Saban or your Ryan Day, you definitely don't want to play without them in a big
1: game. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's awesome, Ward. I'm uh, Tim May. Thanks for uh, watching the Tim May podcast again. We'll be back to chop it up. I like saying that because. I consider you my sous chef, uh, renowned sous chef. We'll be back to chop it up at this same time next week with the Tim May podcast. But until then, we'll see you then.